0: Mark your calendars for June 27th and save $700 for five days only. You can register for this fall's ADHD rewired coaching and accountability group and get 50% off payment plans are available. Don't miss this. Learn more at ADHD My, what I've struggled with most of
1: my life is this idea of limiting voices and, and, uh, at the risk of this sounding like a plug my my book's called the voice of your dreams the subtitle is um turn down the voices of limitation turn up the volume of success and that i wrote this book because i've struggled so much with my limiting voices so who was i back then i was i was a guy who was living in so many fearful limiting voices and not questioning them so i was living a small safe life where i was playing not to lose rather than playing to win
0: adhd rewired episode 119 this is the show designed to help those of us who have really good intentions and a slightly wandering attention my name is eric tivers i'm a licensed clinical social worker coach and consultant we know that starting can be the hardest part so let's get started but first let me thank our sponsors ADHD Rewired listeners, I am looking for guests. Do you have a story to tell? Are you an ADHD professional? Go to ADHDrewired.com and you'll see a link that says, be a guest. Let's talk. I am looking for guests. And I'm still trying to get Brene Brown on the show. If anybody knows how to get a hold of her and the inside connections, I would be eternally grateful for that. And by the slim to probably no chance that that Brene Brown, you're, you're listening, please come on the podcast, please. Thank you. Go to ADHDrewired.com to be a guest. Welcome back to another episode of ADHD Rewired. I have today in the virtual ADHD Rewired studios, my guest, Aaron Anastasi. And I'm going to let Aaron introduce himself because uh, he, you know, the his background, his story is a really interesting one. Um, he's an entrepreneur, author, creative background in psychology. Um, but Aaron, just tell us your story. Uh, who are you? Yeah, who am I? Well,
1: I uh, currently I live in Los Angeles. I'm married. I've been married three years to the most beautiful, kindest woman in the world. Um, I yeah I, I my story is is a story of stumbling stumbling through life stumbling through failures and finding a few successes along the way i when I, early on i i i all but almost failed out of high school because i i just wasn't wasn't very good and didn't care and wasn't that focused and all that but but stumbled onto this desire to learn and so uh that that's what brought me to college. I ended up doing pretty well in college. And even though it was a big struggle, because it was really tough for me to focus but uh, but really desiring to learn and finding some ways to figure out this focus thing from a lot of different angles, and ended up actually going to princeton and i I studied uh, philosophy psychology theology and um, and I guess the what i'm what i'm doing now for money is a couple of different things i i just wrote a book but also i have this uh, a singing site it's called superior singing method and uh, and that was fun because i had so many massive failures with that and then did a couple other things and and watched it kind of blow up and become really successful Maybe partially because of what I did, but also partially just out of, out of dumb luck. And, um, and so, and then I created a couple of other, um, online programs and, and now I'm doing more filmmaking and acting and, and writing as well and coaching. So I know that sounds like a lot <laughs> of we're all kind of like doing a lot, right?
0: I, I feel that that people with ADHD are often the creators of the slash. You know it's like you, you can't just, you can't just have a business card. you have like a business book because there's so many things that <laughs> that we do, right? I've toyed with the idea of having like five different business cards <laughs> now you you said you you were never officially diagnosed with ADHD, but you've identified with with so much of what you I guess have learned about ADHD.
1: Yeah. See my, I I never had a chance to get diagnosed because we were so poor growing up that I, I literally don't think I ever went to the doctor before I was maybe like, I mean, since I was a baby, I'm sure I was at the doctor when I was a baby, but you know, to the next time after that was probably like 18 or 19. Once I got like the, you know, some, some type of insurance. So, but yeah, I've, I've always been all over the place and ADHD is probably a really good fit for me. I just never had a doctor
0: look me in the eyes and say, this is you. Okay, so um, so then what what was the was there something that you read or heard that that you thought about? Well, that kind of does sound like me.
1: Yeah my my little brothers actually went to the after we kind of started growing up. My mom did eventually get insurance, and my little one of my little brother was diagnosed with ADHD. And I remember thinking, "That's totally me." I like I I and I didn't. I mean there there was some, for me, some shame around it. Like I didn't want to have that label. So I was glad I didn't go to the doctor because it is, it's, there's nothing wrong with being ADHD or being, but there's, there's a certain stigma that I didn't want attached to me. So I kind of, I ran from that and definitely didn't want to even have the opportunity to have that
0: label. And it's, it's not an uncommon, uh, story. And, and, uh, kind of mindset, you know, we, in the ADHD community, we talk so much about, about shame, uh, you know, and it's not even so much shame of the, the label. It's the, you know, what, if you, if you, you know, if you meet the, that diagnostic criteria and you have this and now you're owning it, but you're still struggling with it, like that's where that, the real sort of shame kind of comes in. Um, so one of the things that you shared with me, Aaron, when we were, um, when we first spoke um, was about 10 years ago you said you were working with that you were really depressed and you were working uh with a coach um and the coach said something to you do you remember uh what it was
1: i do i do i batman back during that time i was i was on the brink of of some really major failures i've had tons of failures in my life but like some what i felt like because it was a really major one. i was i was pursuing music for a long time and wanted to be a rock star and all that thing and 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 i had just come off of like a major failure of just like okay i'm done I'm, it's time for me to shift gears but i felt like i was kind of spinning off the face of the earth because i didn't know what i was doing where i was going or what i was doing and i kind of wanted to start moving into like the acting filmmaking thing and i was just a little scattered but I was just feeling really depressed and I was feeling, uh, I was getting the same types of results over and over and over again, the types of results that I didn't want. And so like what I was, what was happening? Well, I would, I would get really, really close to, to a success. Like, okay, so let's, let's back up about a year before and maybe six months before that I was working with a major record producer and he was like Grammy Dove award winning producer. And, and there was all this, I had invested money and we were moving toward this great opportunity and all these things. And then my manager and I had, had some outs and, and I, I broke off a uh, relationship with my manager. I was going to get a new manager, but the producer was connected to her. And so he, he said, you know, he, he just cut it off and said, I'm not doing this anymore. So it was stuff like there, that kind of thing was happening over and over again, where I was right on the brink of like this breakthrough mm. of success. And, and so I just thought to myself, uh, there, so anyway, so fast forward when I was sitting there with my, with my life coach and, and, he, I was getting to a point where I was like, this type of thing is happening so much that I've got to be complicit in this somehow that like I've, there's somehow I've got to be creating this. This isn't just by, this isn't just the way it is. Oh, it's just the way it is. And so when he, what he said to me really resonated with me and here's what he said. He said, um, who would you have to be in order to get the results that you want? And that's such a simple statement, this whole distinction between being and doing. But, but it, in that moment, I was like ready for, to hear that finally. And, um, and it, that's what sent me on, on a search and on this journey of how do I get the results that I want in life by shifting my way of being? Because I was a hard worker. I was like, I've got, I can work hard and work hard and grind it out and grind it out. But that was just getting me to break down faster so that was getting me to these same types of results over and over again, faster. It wasn't working. There was a shift of mind that I needed and a shift in my in my thinking and my what I was believing in order to, to have a different overflow of actions and get different results.
0: So during that time, then you, you created some clarity on who, who it was that you wanted to be?
1: Yeah, that, that's where I started. Is I, I had always started with the doing. Okay, if I do this, then I then I then I'll be this, and then I'll have this. Mm-hmm. It was that, that kind of distinction, and I just flipped that thing on its head. And he kind of helped me flip that on its head. That if I choose who I want to be up front, and then I just naturally do the things that that person would do, then I'll have those things I want. But the have will be an afterthought.
0: And when you say who you want to be, so what? What does yeah. that actually mean?
1: Yeah um for me it means uh, deciding what deciding what it is what it is what your vision is what's your vision what's the clarity of declaration of of who you are so for example um so I'm not just talking theoretical here what i did is i i i decided i want to be I want to be. You did
0: major in philosophy, so right. <laughs> <laughs> I, did. I love, and that's part of the problem is that this paralysis of analysis of staying in my thoughts. And oh, so, there's so many people, myself included, that can relate to analysis paralysis. Oh my yeah. gosh!
1: So what I did is I. I on the outset, I said here, I am an actor. I am a filmmaker. What does an actor and a filmmaker do? So that's kind of choosing my B up front. And so, okay, so what, what does an actor do? Oh, so an actor uh, needs to get a reel. And so I said, okay, I, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to make uh, how do I do that? Okay. So then I'm going to write a film. I'm going to get the film made and that will be my reel, like my actor's reel so that I can get an agent manager and start going on auditions and be an actor. It's like, that's what to do. So once I defined that B up Front, the do became more clear. Oh, I see what I have to do. The next small thing is headshots. The next small thing is making requests of others. If I could do these next small things, that that kept me
0: on the path toward this bigger vision. It sort of reminds me of the idea of begin with the end in mind and what is done look like. So it's like, what does it look like when you're finished with something and then kind of work backwards? So you're so it sounds like you kind of took that idea, and what is this role? look like and and what are the things that are involved in that
1: yeah, that, that's exactly right. So I, I I started moving in that direction. One of the things he helped me along that way is this idea of this way of being too, is I, I was telling him, no, I'm really tenacious. I'm really tenacious. And he's like, up until a point, right? And I said, what do you mean? He's like, up until the point of making requests of others, because he had seen me had been working with me. And I, I didn't realize that. And I thought, oh, yeah, I've got, I've got this ego thing of like, I've got to do it. And I was afraid and nobody mm. wants to help me and uh, he, that kind of thing. And so he was like, what if you shift? your way of being like five minutes at a time and you know when you're on a phone call making a request I was like okay I'll try it what if you chose to believe that you have something to offer somebody more and to bring them you're not putting them out but you're inviting them into a vision that you're so I said, okay. And then fast forward six months from there, I had 30 volunteers on a set in downtown Los Angeles and we were shooting this film that I wrote and that I was acting in. And people were thanking me at the end of it for inviting them into this vision to something that was bigger, you know?
0: Have you ever read that book by uh, Amanda Palmer, uh, The Art of Asking?
1: No, but it sounds oh, like it's a-
0: amazing. And, and the premise of, of, uh, of the book is, you know, give people the opportunity to help. Yeah. yeah. Like it's not yeah. putting them out and uh it, it's it, it's probably as far as I'm a big audiobook person yeah, probably one of the best produced audiobooks I've ever listened to she's also a musician okay. um and she all of her music is integrated into uh uh into the the audiobook and uh, she was the first musician on uh, on Kickstarter to raise a million dollars to independently produce Ooh. a uh, a record that's a lot of money <laughs> <laughs> so you ask yeah. people for help and
1: I asked people for help and they, I, I thought I was going to be bugging them. And to the contrary, they, they were, they were happy. And actually just two, three weeks ago, now I did the red carpet event for that and did the producer talk back and all it was you know, super fun. It was just one little shift of being that, that really opened things up for me. So now I, I ask people all the time for help and sometimes they say no and that's fine. And others say yes. And that's great too.
0: When you think back to that person who you were, yeah. What, what were you?
1: Well, he, my, what I've struggled with most of my life is this idea of limiting voices. And, and uh, at the risk of this sounding like a plug, my, my book's called The Voice of Your Dreams. The subtitle is um, Turn Down the Voices of Limitation, Turn Up the Volume of Success. And that I wrote this book because I've struggled so much with my limiting voices. So who was I back then? I was, I was a guy who, was living in so many fearful limiting voices and not questioning them so i was living a small safe life where i was playing not to lose rather than playing to win and that's who i was for so much of my life until i started
0: questioning these limiting voices what what were some of your limiting voices
1: Oh, gosh, that the primary one that I could think of that day is I don't have what it takes. Mm. I don't have what it takes to be successful. I don't have what certainly e- even if I get a little more specific, I don't have what it takes to have any type of sustained success because it's not that like, oh, I never had any success. And then all of a sudden I had all the success. You know, life isn't that clear cut. I had had some successes along the way, but I had just like happened upon it and didn't really know what I was doing. But then when I realized so much of it had to do with my limiting voices and when i can when i can unearth them and rewrite them success was more more possible it was more i was tapping into something that i had tapped in before but didn't quite realize what it was i hope i'm making sense
0: (laughs) yeah so um i mean it sounds like very uh from a framework of of cognitive behavioral therapy of you know identifying those cognitive distortions right um and it's always nice to slap a fresh uh, coat of paint to give it you know another name because Language I think is so important. Sometimes we can have the same idea, but we describe it a little bit differently and yeah. it resonates. Right. And yeah. I think that that is so important because we're talking about the impact our internal thought process has on our emotions. And yeah. when we can, when our emotions, our emotions drive us to either do things or not do things. Yeah. And it's, there's, you know, our people sometimes I don't think realize the power of the story that we tell ourselves. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, that reminds me of my, my wife and I, we were, we were $30,000 in debt when we got married and which is a lot of debt by, by by, by we, I mean, I was $30,000. She just inherited it.
2: she so must really I, love you
1: yeah exactly yeah she was marrying the rich guy no she wasn't so uh i would i but i was carrying around that the limiting voice forever of like who can who can get rid of thirty thousand dollars debt. all i could afford because it was a lot of it was my school payment of a hundred and thirty nine dollars and eleven cents every month i was like this is all i can afford and i lived in that limiting voice and and it was creating a certain perspective on what was real. Like I believed this voice. So I saw what was, what I thought was real and it affected my perception of reality and, and what, and it affected what possibility I saw. So anyway, when my wife and I got married, we thought, well, that, that was one story that I've been living in. What if we, what, let's try a new story. We're going to be debt-free in nine months. And so we made the declaration, the, the whole B thing. We made this declaration, this vision. Here's who we are. We are debt-free in nine months. And as we did that, we started seeing all kinds of opportunities and, you know, it wasn't easy. We, our friends were like going out and going on trips and we were, you know, it was kind of hard at times, but. Moving it like, again? all right the yeah, same movie he, again sure yeah, exactly exactly oh another in night okay but in nine months it was actually ended up being like 10 months we were we were debt-free because we'd rewritten that story and, and chosen a new story living. did you, you
0: like the the Dave Ramsey program
1: I did, you, I, did I did you really I, te- I teach that program now I've taught my wife and I've taught it three times now it's a nine-week program we love it
0: you know what if if you could just talk about what that is for a little bit cuz i think that that could be helpful for for a lot of listeners. Yeah,
1: why not? I so the, the it's a really simple seven step program. He the the first thing it not that it's easy and i'm only we're only on maybe step 4 or whatever now but the the first step he says is is uh, no, do whatever you have to do, beg, borrow, steal, sell whatever, get a $1000 in the bank. And this is this is your emergency fund. This is just the beginning of your emergency fund. This is really
0: his yeah. deal. What's that? Does he really say <laughs> steal? Let's
1: <laughs> not say steal. He's a very devout faithful man. He does. But he do whatever he can. He says, sell some stuff. So get your $1,000. And then once you have your $1,000, he says, get rid of your credit cards and let that kind of be your credit card. So if, you have, you know, if something happens to your car, it's usually between $300, $700 or whatever, and this could cover it. Second thing is get out of debt that takes that could take some time. And then the the third step after get out of debt is build a fully funded emergency fund, which is three to six months of, of, whatever, you know, let's say you lost your job and you could pay things off for three, six months. So a lot of that, sometimes that's ten thousand twenty thousand somewhere around there. And then the next step is invest 15% of your income. And then it goes up from there. And that's like um, college for kids, college for your kids, house, all that stuff. But it's just a really great, simple system that, that helps you. A lot of it, like you mentioned earlier, is getting your psychology and your emotions. Mm-hmm. He, he talks about how it's, it's, it's like 20% numbers. It's 80% psychology and mm-hmm. how
0: you feel about it and what, what your feelings are because our feelings are what motivates us. And one of the things that, that I've uh, heard him talk about that was really interesting about the psychology of it is that when you're looking at if you have a bunch of different credit cards that have different num- uh, amounts of debt, just yeah. start by the smallest one first just so you're making progress and so it's a mindset.
1: Yeah, the tendency is to be like, well, I, I want to pay off the one that has the biggest um percentage that I'm paying. And he says, no, that d- that doesn't matter. Get the smallest one so that you start feeling
0: that that momentum. Mm-hmm. So that makes so that makes sense. And so you you, you were debt free. Oh, thirty thousand dollars debt uh, debt free in under a year. That's that's pretty awesome. It
1: was it was good. I mean, it was once we focused on it, like all these opportunities started opening up, and then along that time was that was just a little bit after I'd met with my coach, and <clears throat> things had started shifting radically for me as I was shifting my being as well mm-hmm. and that was a time where my business kind of started
0: booming as well, so we I started making more money as well all right so you changed you started to change that 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 voice um. Yeah. And then what, kind of walk us through the development of, kind of the, the business and uh, the opportunities that presented itself, the failures that occurred along the way
1: yeah well let me just tell you one one pretty major failure so uh, around that time my we had my business partners and i so we started superior singing method that's the, the singing program and and we were doing well like it was starting to do well we were doing all this search engine optimization back then it was um you know writing a bunch of articles and spinning them and getting backlinks it was just that we we're playing that whole game which we don't do anymore but um and And so this was pre-2011. If you remember 2011, that's when Google released the Panda algorithm. I know nothing about algorithms except it destroyed my business. (laughs) So we'd spent a couple of years building, you know, getting all these, all of our keywords up to the number one, two, and three spot number, mostly number one of like 22 different keywords, how to improve your singing voice, how to sing, singing tips, all that stuff. And so our business was starting to boom. We're getting all this traffic, all this traffic. And then in one day they released Panda and it, all of our number one and number two, three spots went down to page 15 in an instant and not spot 15. That would be the top of page two was page 15. And our business went from like thriving to nothing oh. i'd never even been to page 15 and by the by the looks of the traffic going from everything to nothing i don't think anybody
0: else has been to page 15 either it's funny sometimes if i'm looking for something i'll just skip ahead right to page 15 just just to see what's on there i'm glad you were probably the one one sale we got during that
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know i did check out your your youtube channel and uh I, I was pretty impressed with uh i mean you're a really good musician and good singer
1: Oh, thank you, man. I appreciate that. I, I, you know, I, what, something shifted in me, like I wanted to be a rock star. I wanted to be a rock star. And this was a big lesson to me is that when I, and I, I made very little money during that time and had some impact, but not that great of an impact. And when I shifted my way of thinking to, I want to be of service to humanity. All of a sudden, my bank account started growing. All of a sudden, I had it was having a bigger impact on humanity. All of a sudden, I was growing this huge YouTube channel with that shift of mind of how could I powerfully serve other people. I mean, you have like a, a gajillion followers on YouTube. I have a lot. I think th- over thirteen million views and
0: I don't know one hundred
1: thirty fifty thousand subscribers or something. So You, so you got a
0: few. <laughs> right, we, yeah. we were talking a little bit ago about uh, I was sharing with you that that I was look, watch a couple of your. Uh, uh, videos and we we're talking about um, trolls and just the the feedback oh, that God. and uh, man that's because there I, I read a, a troll comment on there and I was like man how do, you, how do you deal with that and you're like I stopped doing it and then I, you went back and you saw one and you were just totally pissed off about it and it's probably the one that I read. <laughs>
1: Uh, yeah i i almost never replied to those but it infuriated me so much because he was it was like a stab on my character it wasn't just like you suck that's you suck is fine you don't think i'm good whatever that kind of trolling no problem but when you say it's obvious you're paying for views and you and you you're you're a hack you don't know how to do this i'm just like well, that's just not true. Like they're, they're, that's like straight up. That's a very specific form of slander. And so I, I definitely replied to them, but I haven't looked at comments
0: since. And I just I try not to as much as possible. Yeah, it's one of the, the tough things about being, you know, being a very visible person in the online space is that it's really easy for people to to um, hurt you, you know, and it's yeah. and you sort of have to have that resiliency and have that support system. Uh, in place to, to help yourself when, when that happens. I know it's it's happened to me uh, and it hurts. You yeah. know, it's like I tell myself that I'm not going to care about it. And then when it happens, it, it hurts like hell. You know, it's
2: because, yeah. you know, you, yeah, put, I... you
0: put your heart into something and it's like it's not like the, the you suck or it's like that. But when it's something that's, as you said, very slanderous against your character. That's the stuff yeah. that that hurts
1: yeah and what i what i found for me is and this kind of goes back to the limiting voices for me so i before i launched the singing program i um the i don't have what it takes that was one one but i had a lot of like i'm you know this this imposter syndrome like i'm a fraud i don't know enough about singing people are i'm going to be exposed for for who i am i i don't i don't belong here it was a lot of those voices so that's when that's when the trolls when they echo that voice in my head, that's when it really starts getting me down. If it's something that isn't a limiting voice that I have in my mind, then I could just be like, "Ah, whatever. If they're like, your nose looks funny. I'm like, who gives a crap? But if it's like, and it's echoing a a voice in my head, that's when, that's when I know I need to take a look at that voice and redesign that voice and, and, and find out what's going on there.
0: I know for, for me, when I, uh, you know, I, I, it's the same things i, I tell my clients and, and how try to help my clients with it's like all right so that's here's the story that we're telling ourselves what's yeah. that other alternative like what's the yeah. other narrative right yeah
1: i oftentimes we'll say what is what
0: is as true or more true than that thought <laughs> so now you've um you've been doing a lot of this online uh online course creation um and then you there was something that you you shared it to me. Um, you sort of accidentally created this new course.
1: Yeah, so I yeah. love the
0: story. <laughs> well, see, we we were mostly in the music space,
1: and when I say we, like me and I have a couple of business partners who have been friends for, for we've been friends for years and years, and so. We have so online right now. We have superior singing method. We have play worship guitar. We have uh, uh, superior songwriting method. So it's all like in the music space: guitar, singing, songwriting, all that space. And so we we've made this, uh, you know, those doodle videos. We actually still have it. We actually still use it. And, you know, the doodle videos where I do like a voiceover and they doodle like the. I love cart- those. Yeah, they're great, and we actually still use it, and it, it's still a good marketing tool. But the. Uh, it, it was an overseas company who was doing this doodle thing because we got it for cheaper that way. And me and my business, my you know business partner, were in a coffee shop, and and every time he was showing me, we were just kind of laughing and joking and hanging out. But he had his computer, and he's like, "Oh, hey, look, they like I got the first draft of this, and so uh, we got it." And we were took it took a look at it. and every time it said superior singing method they had flipped the the letters and it said to a superior signing method and we were just we were in a state of play and joking like total like a right-brained kind of time it wasn't we weren't like work 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 mode and then i was like i said we should do a sign language program and call it superior signing method and, and you're he, just playing like just that was totally joking. I mean, every, it was just, we've always done music and I thought he'd get a good laugh at it. He, he didn't, he immediately was just like, looked online. He started looking at all the analytics and all this stuff and what's there. And he's like, dude, this is, and we started calling it our retirement. He's like, dude, this is a wide open market. We're going to crush this. And so the next, that the next two years, we developed a sign language program where we've got a baby sign language program, a regular sign language program, a 7,000 word dictionary. And it's actually just, just launching like in the next couple of weeks now, fast forward a couple of years later.
0: So did either of you know sign language?
1: no no <laughs> did not did not i um i have a buddy who who has a phd and in education and he's really good with sign language and okay he has a good look and um and so we we filmed him i just recruited him so you you know,
0: somebody who at least knew was, sign
1: language exactly yeah and he was he was great and so so yeah wow wow just, Oh that's, that's stumbled upon that like i said we're affectionately calling that our retirement because we just feel like it's gonna just be. i awesome. mean just
0: this- thinking about the value for of play when it comes to productivity yeah. you know it's like allow yourself to to explore those those kind of spaces in your mind it's it's yeah. amazing i love it
1: yeah, there's so many good ideas that come in that space and I find myself uh when I get too locked into that left brain mode of do do this, do this do this do this do this I can be productive but but I I find that if I allow myself to get get in the right brain like I you know adult coloring books are becoming a thing I I actually have an adult coloring book and I'll just color for like 15 or 20 or 30 minutes and then come back to a project and I'll I'll have new thoughts and ideas mm-hmm. about it because I can get so much more done when I employ that creativity and play and fun and those new new crazy
0: ideas i actually have a, a friend who's uh, uh into creating the uh adult coloring books um oh it, cool And just trying to figure out how to like actually get into the the market space there i'm like i have no idea but good luck <laughs> yeah
1: yeah it's so funny how th- things like that take off. I'm, I'm, in a, I'm in an acting class right now, and, and that's another thing they're saying. They're saying, if you can get into your right brain, like play guitar or songwriting, and then go, go look at the script, you, you, you're going to break down the script in a different type of way. You're just going to see it a lot differently. She was saying, like, you can get five hours of work done in 10 minutes of left brain versus being in right brain. Um, interesting. Interesting.
0: Yeah, no, I know. Uh, and, and I believe that, too. I mean, occasionally I, I don't do it as often as I actually would like. You, you see, I have a guitar on my wall. And sometimes yeah, yeah. if I'm like, you know, just kind of stuck with writing copy, which is, you know, often a struggle for me, yeah. um, I'll just grab the guitar sometimes and I'll, I'll try to make up a song about like the copy that I'm trying to write. And it will cool. sometimes it just comes out. Other times I just end up spending three hours playing guitar and don't actually get the copy <laughs> that I'm trying to, to write done. So, you know, <laughs> that's, that's pseudo productivity. Yeah. You 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 had a good time and you open yourself up and you put a smile on your face. That's right. That's right. So um, in this story of, of the failures, you know, I think that, um, I mean, how we think about failure as, you know, to quote Zig Ziglar that, Failure is an event, not a person, right? Yeah. And um, you know th- those those failure stories are so just imperative to to understand that every failure really is an opportunity to learn and to grow. You know, um, I mean, you are actually the first person, Aaron, to so I I just went through something really, uh, I guess you can call it semi traumatic in the in the realm of you know the business world. Yeah. Is that so? Um, as we're recording this, it's uh, the eighteenth. Um, yeah, looking at my my watch, I'm like, man, I think I'm still off a of date on my the calendar, and you know, I'm like I'll just wait till next month the calendar will be right again. Uh, <laughs> there's my ADHD brain. Um, so, one week left of of my launch for my coaching group, and um, we are scheduled to do a uh, interview, and my computer crashed, and so you were actually the first person that knew this, because I had to call and tell you that I'm like. <laughs> This, this isn't happening I'm like yeah. I, I was probably like freaking out I don't even remember what, like you know I, I I never canceled my my uh podcast interviews um uh, unless so I'm like definitely ill which you know yeah so um first of all Thank you for for rescheduling this uh, with me, yeah, um I, and you know think, talk about the stories we tell ourselves, it's like man, this this Aaron guy, you know he's he's probably gonna think I'm just gonna of flake, and you know it's like <laughs> a, and it's like I'm seriously like this is like a disaster, my computer just yeah. crashed and uh and it, so they kind of set me back so but what I learned in those things is a number of things. one, when you have that little voice in your head that says, "You should double check." Triple check yeah. to make sure yeah. that you have your time machine turned on correctly. Yeah, listen to that voice, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I present on on productivity and, and technology, and I the the so I've, I've in the presentations where I've talked about the importance of backing up all your data. Because it's not a matter of if something fails; it's a matter of when it fails. That yeah. was the point where I had that voice of double check, you know, because I had like everything backed up on on uh, through Dropbox and an external drive, all my files. But you know, um, that doesn't do the the program files right. Yeah. So my lesson learned here, and i I hope that that I want to emphasize the amount of preventable pain that that occurred, and so if a handful of you listen and you go right now and double check your, you know, if you're on a Mac or whatever, whatever system you use, make sure everything is backed up. And if you have that voice up, I think it's backed up, go check. Because I, I yeah. lost so much time and I, I was ready to wave the white flag. I was like, I, you know, when you're in a launch, it's like, you know, you're, you're doing these sprints, right? It's like you're working yeah. longer hours than you typically will, but it's for a short period of time. And so yeah. I'm at like the end of the sprints and I get knocked down with my computer uh, fail and it was... It was tough, it was tough, um, but lessons learned indeed that will never happen to me again
1: yeah yeah I, the, the idea of failure to me is it's, it's tricky because we we well let me just say me i I tend to avoid failure, but when a but failure it's never a problem that we face. It literally is the way to get there. So, when we slow down the rate of failure, we slow down the rate of success. And that I get that cognitively, but I still want to avoid it because I, I want to avoid the, the, the feeling of shame. That, and I don't mind failing if I'm in my room. If I try to sing a note in my room and I don't hit it, don't care. But what I really care about is if, if, other, if I look like a failure in front of other people. So, that was a, a good lesson for me of like. It's so oh, hard. It is. It is. But but the more if I can just live in that land of suckage long enough, a breakthrough will occur no matter what I'm doing. So that that's I actually I started taking uh, improv and I'm terrible at improv, uh, but I did it just for this express reason. I want to I want to just be OK with sucking at something. For a while, and just to live in that tension, because I know that when I live in that tension, eventually there's a breakthrough, and then eventually, 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 there's there's some form of of success. But I, I've almost, I don't think I've ever hit any level of success without wading through the waters of suckage for a, a fair amount of time.
0: It's so true. when I saw um, Brene Brown uh, t- uh, speak at this uh, entrepreneur uh, hub in Chicago. And she mm-hmm. was doing this um, this Q uh, and A thing, and what one of the things that she was talking about because she's been working with uh, these kind of Fortune ten companies, yeah. Well. And she's talking about so she was having this conversation with one of these the CEOs of one of these companies, and talking about how so he was trying to sort of grasp this idea of vulnerability, and yeah. you know, and this willingness to fail. And she says, no, it's not a willingness to fail. You have to know that if you're going to you know be up here in the the you know Fortune 10, you're, you know, you're in the top of the top of the top, you are going to fail. So it's the willingness of, of those who are able to, to stomach the uncertainty, who are able to know that they are going to fail on their way to what they are trying to achieve. Those are the people who can, are going to be successful. So it's not this, oh, I might fail. It's you're, you're going to fail. Can you handle it? Can you pivot? Can you, you know, keep going? And it's, man, it's, it's so, so hard. Um, but I think that experience tells us that it's possible.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that kind of makes me think of like, I'm a, I'm a recovering, uh, perfectionist. And so me
0: too. I use the same phrase.
1: <laughs> do you? I totally, I totally am. I, I, I actually remember just the idea of shame and perfection. I had, uh, I had a memory come to me the other day when I was with one of my coaches that I hadn't thought of in a long time, but I, I remember I was, I was about seven, eight, nine years old and I was doing BMX tricks in front of my house and like dumb ones, like I wasn't great, but like my, my older brother and I, and when we would like stand on the frame of our bike and we'd like balance. I love
0: that trick. I I thought I was so cool for being able to do that trick.
1: I thought it was the greatest thing in the world. Awesome. I'm a professional. somebody take some pictures and figure this out. So my, anyway, my mom did come out to take some pictures this is back in the day and film, not like digital. And she, I, I did it and it was me and my brother and I did it, but I had kind of like messed it up. And so I was like, oh, can you can you take one more picture? And um, I messed that up. And so I went back and I did did it one more time and I was happy with the way I did at that time. And then after afterwards, I said to her, oh, I, I was hit with this big wave of like shame and and fear because I my mom was working two to three jobs to support us. You know, there, there was no, my dad was, kind of doing his own thing at the time. And we were just like super, super poor. And so I asked her, I said, how much do you think it costs like for each picture that you take? And she said, oh, probably like 25 cents. And in my mind, like I made her pay this extra 25 cents. And so it was like this big shame thing of like, I need to be perfect the first time. I don't don't get a bunch of tries. I have to, and so I took that, I noticed that still today, but I, I took this into my life so much so that, it made me always want to look good and look right and all stuff. So that really held me back from, from wanting to, if I look like a failure in front of anybody else, then I'm putting them out and I'm putting my mom out and I'm, you know, it's like all kind of this thought. And so that's, that was a big recovering perfectionism thing to me. And if I could just say one more story, I know I'm talking a lot here, but one thing that started shifting that perspective thing professionalism thing is when I was in grad school and I had written this master's thesis and, and one of my professors said, Hey, this is pretty good. Like, I think you could probably get this published. And, and so the publisher, he's like, I think this would be the right publisher even. So it was an academic journal and I looked and there's like all these formatting differences from what I'd done. So it was just like going to be hours and hours of this tedious formatting. So, I, I would do a little bit and get discouraged, do a little bit and get discouraged. You know, I'd avoid it for a day, two days, a week. And finally, after a couple of months, I, it was like half done, maybe. And I just said, forget this. I just want it off my desk. I threw it in the envelope and I sent it off and I just all but forgot about it. And two months later, I got an email from the Journal of Religion and Health. They do psychology, spirituality, and medicine. And they said, um, yeah, we're have we've made we're planning to publish your thing. We made a few edits, no doubt some, some uh, formatting edits.
0: <laughs> publishing like we, we finished where you left off <laughs>
1: exactly but it, it was it, that had such a huge impact on me because I realized I don't I know this but it like in my mind like you don't have to be perfect to, to uh, suc- Yeah, just get it to 80% or just get it there and get it out in the world and get some feedback to just get,
0: get it so that you was don't really- have to be perfect the product that you want to share that you want to ship does not have to be perfect in your eyes yeah. For it to be what exactly what somebody else is looking for.
1: That's exactly right. Just get it out there way sooner than you think. Just get it out there, and that, and honestly, like when I think of superior singing method and the other businesses that have been really successful in my life, we once we employed those kind of principles of like of just get it towards good. Like in my mind, um, there's actually one of the chapters of my book is called "Pro, Not Perfect." But that was the phrase for me: is that I want it to be pro, I want it to be professional, but perfection never exists. So just get it to where it's really good, and then and then get it out. There. There because I want to do high quality products, but perfection doesn't exist. So just get it high quality and then get it out way sooner. And so that it's really helped me along the way. Anyway.
0: So what I want to do really quickly here is uh, we're going to take a really quick break. When we sure. come back, I want to hear uh, more about your book, some of the things that you're uh, uh, written about in the book that we can uh, that we can take home and uh, help us get our ADHD rewired. So we'll be right back. Last week on the Tom Nardone Show. Tom and Yvonne were gearing up for their vacation to Myrtle Beach and their show was about planning it out and they had actually planned a whole bunch of shows to do while they were on vacation. So let's hear how that went.
2: A big, big faux pas. I think I mentioned that we would be doing a show every day from Myrtle Beach and that was entirely the plan. However, I did not... I did, Even though I packed my Zoom H5 portable recorder, I packed my microphone and the cable and, and brought the That's camera, brought the video, the, the video camera that we just went out and bought uh, for the trip. I packed it into a nice little camera bag, all that stuff in one little bag. Mm-hmm. And damned if I didn't just leave it at the house. But there were some big accomplishments. This Friends is the first trip that we have never ran a toll booth. But they did show courage and bravery. I'm scared of parking garages. I'm just afraid that, you know, like one guy was maybe like me when the building was being built. And years later, his lack of attention to detail would result in a catastrophic failure of this building. And I didn't, I mean, I was okay to be at the beach, but the thing is, you guilted me into going into the water, which it was like 40 degrees. I did not guilt you. I just said, please go into the oh, water. Okay, go into myself. On. Will it be? Oh, well, duh. <laughs> As a responsible adult, you know, I decided for the benefit of our family's continuance that I would not go in the water. That's what that was. That was an adult decision. It wasn't an easy one. Trying to teach her how to body surf, which you so couldn't do. I can't. I'm, I'm, I'm just like a beach whale. I'm just terrible. Subscribe
0: to the Tom Nardone Show on iTunes or on your favorite podcast app. Support for this podcast comes from the ADHD Rewired Coaching and Accountability Group. Fall session begins September 12th, but don't miss the one week super early. Registration with a super huge discount, June 27th through July 1st, 50% off for one week only. I'm opening and closing registration for this one week period. You can register and get $700 off. It comes out to something like $116 a month if you use uh, PayPal. Go to ADHDrewired.com to learn more and uh, prepare to get your ADHD rewired. All right, we are back with Aaron Anastasi. And um, let's pick up where we left off. And I wanted to talk more about your book and some of the the uh, things that you talk about in the book. And, you, know, you mentioned in your book about, um, the, the, what was the phrase? You talk about be pro, not perfect. Yeah, I like that.
1: pro, pro not, that's kind of just become my mantra is pro, not perfect. And And pro to me is, if I can get it to about 80% of what I think is great, that usually is the pro level for me. That's usually like when somebody looks at it and goes, yeah, this is good, um, but it's definitely not perfect. And I'm I'm not striving for perfection anymore because I will never release anything if I strive for perfection.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm so much the same way. And I, I like that the pro not perfect. What The first that I usually use is uh, perfect sucks. Good enough is great.
1: <laughs> I, we uh, my my business partners and I we went to uh, to a movie uh, premiere thing for that movie Skyline I don't know if you remember that it was like 2010 mm. and um, the whole pro not perfect idea comes up for that is we I remember there it wasn't like a critically acclaimed film but they made a film in a year it usually takes three years from script to screen and they made it for a million dollars and that's a lot of money but it looked like about a fifty or a hundred million dollar film because the graphics was so good because they did they were really a, a CGI. Graphic graphics house in-house and so they they did it and they one thing he said from stage is he said um with <laughs> the he said there were just three of us in the room creating this thing and so instead of to quote he said instead of uh, everything passing through 20 a-holes, it just had to pass through three a-holes. And so his whole thing was like, it was, it was this idea of like, yeah, monster graphics look great. That's not exactly what we want, but it looks great. Just go, go, go. And so my, um, this whole pro not perfect thing. One of the things my business partners and I started saying was sky, because the movie is called skyline. We started saying when we'd get all caught up and doing things perfect, we'd just be like, dude, just skyline it, just skyline it. Let's awesome. just skyline it. And so it became a verb for us, meaning we're not going to let this bottleneck us just skyline and actually one of our umbrella companies is now called skyline
0: because of that <laughs> that's awesome oh, i love that i love that so what, tell me, what what other things are are in the book that we can uh you know kind of take home and use yeah. Yeah. The
1: book is the, uh, the kind of basic idea of the book is like, we all have this voice of our dreams, like that, that calls to us, but, but a lot of times it gets really squashed down over the years. And I say primarily because that our voices of limitation are shouting so much louder that it's hard to hear the voice of our dreams and, and let alone follow it and move toward it. Um, so the book's kind of broken up into like, um, where to start, and then productivity and healthy living, and and it's got like different sections. But I think one thing as far as productivity, there's a whole like section of like eight chapters that are like in the increased productivity category, and one of them, just along the lines of what we're saying, is called uh, commitment compartment. And what I found for for myself is that when I when I'm not being productive, it's oftentimes it's it's when I'm not. I haven't lodged something in what I call the commitment compartment. So I, when I when I feel scattered, it's usually because I haven't made a decision. I've got like all these choices, and I'm living in the purgatory of indecision. But as soon as I put something inside my commitment compartment, I ha- there's a much greater chance of it coming to pass. And and what I mean by that is when I when I say, okay, this thing. I'm going to make this thing come to pass no matter what it takes. Like that, that level of intention and vision. And I put that thing into my commitment compartment and the pushback I usually get for this is like, oh yeah, that sounds great. But like, what, how do you even do that? And the thing is this commitment compartment, so many things are in this commitment compartment already. Like for example, and I actually use this example in the book, but one thing that's lodged in my commitment compartment is that I'll never walk out of my house completely naked. I've never done it will never do it. Well, how do you know you won't do it in the future? I'm just telling you it's in my commitment compartment. And so there's so many things in our commitment compartment that we don't realize. That's actually that we're living in this commitment compartment state with most things in our life. But for some reason, when it comes to our dreams and our businesses and that kind of stuff, we allow doubt to creep in and that doubt pulls something out of our commitment compartment, but we could only get rid of that doubt when we shove it back into our commitment compartment and say, I'm going to make this come to pass no matter what. And then uh, opportunity starts opening up. Once we actually make that decision, I'm going to do this, but because we don't want to look like failures and we don't want to be disappointed. We often, I often say, uh, I, I think I'm going to do this or I'm, someday I'm going to do this. Or I'm thinking about, it's that kind of language. That's not the commitment compartment type of language.
0: Mm, mm. You know, it, it almost seems like it's there. So there's it sounds like there's two sort of pieces to that. One is the emotional kind of determination for, you know, it's like, for me, it's, you know, things that are related to math and like budgeting yeah. I hate it. I hate it. But it's so important, you know, if, if, as a as a business owner, if I'm trying to grow my business, I, I know that I'm, you know, trying to hire help. And to do that, I can't just say, I think I could afford it and hope for the best. Yeah. Right. So yeah. this is like for me, this has been a year of where I've really I'm been committing to learning, you know, just from the beginnings of basic business budgeting to like yeah. to smart, you know, uh, business strategy from the financial piece you know it's like I, i'm do i do pretty well i think with the, the marketing the creative side of it right yeah you know it's like but go running a a business based off intuition is um not recommended <laughs> <laughs> you know so it's i, I want to understand enough so at least i can set up a framework so i can have someone else then execute on the the way i want it to go
1: yeah so for yeah. me this
0: year it's been the, the um to, to i think you if i understand the way you're saying it i've committed to do something that is in my red zone which is the areas yeah. that i struggle in because i know the importance of it because i know that i want to grow so i can help more people yeah. um but i know i can't do it alone so i have to kind of go through this yuck of of budgeting and actually tracking my expenses and actually yeah. looking at the numbers which is like i really don't enjoy it you know it's like so that's for me. Is that what you mean by the commitment compartment? Because when you were talking about walking out of your house naked, that sort of just seems like the, the things that we don't even think about that we've already decided. Yeah, I there's so many
1: things there are hundreds of things that are in our commitment compartment all the time like like i said the going out of the house naked like it just won't happen that going to the store brushing our teeth putting on shoes you know taking a shower all these things are in our in our commitment compartment we're not wondering and doubting and if they're going to come to pass and hoping they come to pass we just do it without even thinking but a lot of time, when it comes to our business and our dreams, that that doubt creeps in, and we become more tentative toward toward where we're going with that. And so, lodging something in our commitment compartment often is just making a declaration, like that and I'm committed to it. This, this is what this is what I'm going to do, no matter what it takes. And that shifts our way of being and helps us to see more opportunity um, that that is right in front of us. Oftentimes,
0: so what happens then when there's the you know. Because something that's very common uh, for those of us with ADHD is that, like, from an intellectual standpoint, like, we really want to be doing something, yeah. But it's it can be hard to get us to to take the the action, and it's and it's frustrating because it's you know sometimes we call ADHD the disorder of good intentions. It's like we mm. know what we want to be doing, but we're not doing it. Yeah, um, talk about frustrating. You know, it's like oh yeah. So how how have you um, helped yourself get from a a, a place where you there's something you want to be doing but maybe you're feeling kind of stuck um to taking action
1: yeah the um the 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 first chapter of my book is called where to start and i've heard you talk a little bit about this like and stephen king says the hardest part is is just before you start and so for me what's really helped me with my focus cuz my focus can be all over the place is breaking things into the smallest smallest little chunks mm-hmm. that seem manageable to me because like for instance when i was writing this book the, my my thoughts were uh you're you're a joke you're a mimic you're a fraud nobody's gonna nobody cares about what you have to say uh, it was um, come on you're never gonna finish writing this book so why even start why even waste your time you don't usually finish things even if you finish it you're not going to find a public it's like all these limiting voices were keeping me from sitting down but when i finally just said you know what I'm gonna let three minutes be a win today. I'm just gonna sit down for three minutes and write this. And and that small little chunk kind of tricked my brain into sitting down and writing. And once I'm doing three minutes of something, the limiting voice is like Van Gogh says, if you hear a voice in your head tell you, you cannot paint, by all means, paint and that voice will be silenced. And so as I just got busy doing the thing that I was most afraid to do, the voices began to get more and more and more and more silent. And then two hours later, I look up and I'm like, I've been writing for two hours. So
0: those small chunks have helped me a lot. That's awesome. That's, uh, um, I never heard that Van Gogh quote before. That's that's awesome. I really, really like that. Um, I, th- I think that was a Seinfeld sort of method for for writing. Um, or he just commits to writing for like five minutes a day, like that's his commitment. But he obviously ends up writing a lot more because um, if you if you start your day saying I have to get you know three hours of of this work done and you're having a hard time with engaging, man, three hours is a pretty big uh, hill to climb.
1: Yeah, it, it becomes overwhelming to me when I think of three hours. I'll, I'll avoid. I'll do anything I can for three hours to avoid doing that. But if I said five minutes, I probably would have written for
0: three hours. <laughs> so let me ask you this. So. Uh, Obviously you've been very successful in the things that you've been doing over the past, uh, 10 years or so. Um, what are some of the things that you still have a hard time with?
1: How much time you got? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. So what do I still
1: have a hard time with? I, it all comes down to thoughts for me. And so what I have a hard time with always begins with my thoughts. So in the morning, almost every morning, still, I'd, I wake up with a flood of fearful thoughts of, of, you know, my, my favorite voice, which is my, I say my favorite, because I keep rehearsing it. So it must be my favorite is you won't have sustained success of so there's gloom and doom on the, around the corner for you the, um t- today days where everything goes wrong and falls apart you know those kind of voices i i often wake up with those in the morning so my struggle in the morning i actually have a morning routine where it's a time of of meditation a time of of refocusing a time of gratitude a time of walking i even do some incantations which is super weird to even say but um <laughs> but I, I i have this morning routine and exercise to shift me out of those crazy thoughts just to get me at a status quo and have a little energy to be, to begin to work toward my day. So my struggle starts at the very beginning of the day.
0: And what about, what about actions though? Uh, like things like, um, I don't know, re- returning phone calls or mm. mailing something or, you know, those, those things that, you know, for, for so many of us with ADHD, you know, it's the, it's often this, these seemingly simple tasks are so hard for us, and I think that's that's where a lot of the, the shame and uh, comes in, and you know the stories of oh, what's what's wrong with me? And It's like I can do this, but why can't I do that? Um, are there any of those things? Cause I, I think it's important for people to hear that even with obviously the the success that you've had, that there there are still things that you're struggling with that are. Um, and I know that you you also have someone that sort of manages your your life, kind of. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's that's been a huge help. I it's funny as you say all this because I'm looking over at my phone and you know like the little mail icon on the iPhone and the little red tells you how many unread. How many? E-
0: 112. 112. That's pretty. I'd be I'd be happy with 112. My my red icon right now, if I'm being really super honest, is um 2,229. Oh my gosh, that is
1: awesome. Yeah, I mean those kind of actions for me. The, the thing for me is I want to be of the greatest service to the world as I can. I do. I mean, who doesn't? That sounds so cliche, but what, what my, my biggest problem with productivity is often pleasing rather than serving. So if I can get in my mind wrapped around, is this something that I'm trying to please somebody else? So they'll like me. And so the kind of get into that mindset, or if I could say, you know what, I'm just going to do the one or two or three or four things today that are going to be the most service to humanity. And that are the most in line with, with what I'm, what I'm called to. And I, I actually, in the book, it's called The One Thing. He talks about being okay with living in chaos. There's a certain amount of chaos that will always be there if you're focusing on the things that are most important. So
0: that helps me get out of shame. Not completely, but it helps. I got to tell you, I looked around at my desk just now and it just made me feel a lot better because I'm doing a lot. I'm doing, uh, focusing on this big thing right now. It's my coaching group launch. Uh, last, last like day or two of the, the registration, which is just a lot of work and all consuming it for me. And I'm looking around and it's kind of chaotic. So it made me feel better. Thanks.
1: Yeah. No, my my (laughs) desk right now is absolute chaos and and i'm i'm choosing to be okay with it my mind doesn't want to be okay with it but i'm choosing because what i'm doing in this moment talking to you and hopefully you know inspiring some listeners this is the most important thing putting this index card somewhere else is not the most important thing so when i'm in the right frame of mind and my morning routine helps me to get in that right frame of mind then i could let that stuff go and live in a certain
0: level of chaos and you know i think just to to be completely open uh for if anyone sees the Video that may or may not be posted. Um, I'm just sharing my my desk, <laughs> and, and you see the scatter of, of sticky notes. I have this like corner over there with a plant that I haven't watered in like a week. It looks really bad. Uh, I mean, it's my my office looks. You know, I'm I'm in need of a uh, of a study hall to get kind of get my my office here cleaned up. But you know, it's it's like you said, it's sort of intellectual. It's like I I would like it to be nicer, but I'm not I'm not beating myself up over it. You know. Yeah. Uh.
1: Yeah. I, it just depends on my thoughts about it. If, if I say this is because my desk, I mean, your desk looked like pristine condition compared to mine. If I think my desk is a mess, therefore I'm stuck or I'm a failure or I'm a, I'm whatever I'm in chaos and I can't be productive if I have those thoughts. But if I have the thought of like, I'm glad this is a mess because I'm doing what's really matters to me, you know,
0: that depends on my emotional state. I mean, I'm kind of laughing right now because I'm looking at, here's a crumpled up piece of paper that, that, I mean, it's, I have a crumpled up piece of paper on my desk because I actually couldn't find my garbage can and I didn't want to get up to look for it. And my office is not very big. So it's yeah. probably behind my couch. So, and typically I would just throw it over there and hope that I got it in there and, and I would see it <laughs> if I, when I got up. But I, you know, it's just, so I'm kind of laughing at, at just the whole just uh, premise of, of this, you know. When this imposter syndrome that you kind of talked about before, um, and it's something that uh, that I, I struggle with myself still, and it's yeah. I really have to work uh, on. And, and often I talk to people about it because it's, uh, you know, I got to be honest with what's going on in my head. And in talking and processing uh, these things, um, it is really important for me. And when you mentioned, uh, and I really resonated with this, Aaron, when you mentioned about this idea of it's the voice of, it's not about, you know, can you be successful, it's about can you sustain success? I so related to that. Hmm. I think one of my my biggest kind of tapes that replays over in my head is like, can I keep it up? You know, it's like yeah. I've been, you know, I've been doing really well, um, and I I sort of feel like the, everything that I've been building is sort of like based on this house of cards that like one thing's gonna come and everything's gonna come crashing down. And I and for me, I really try to remind myself, okay, this is a feeling. Feelings yeah. are not facts.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and feelings usually come from thoughts and if I can examine those thoughts I can usually kind of get off of that feeling but it's not easy and it's difficult to have perspective in that moment of course when I'm working with my coach it's a lot more clear when he's pointing out that and we're kind of examining those thoughts
0: so let's um what is um tell us again the name of your book uh where they can get it and then I mean you have so many cool things that you're doing that uh I know you've mentioned some of the, the the things that the um online courses and the the videos your YouTube channel. So um here is uh here's your your hour or hour but minute to uh share uh where people could find the things that you are doing if they want to uh check out your all of your stuff. Cause it's 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 really quality stuff. And um um thank you too for, for coming on and, and rescheduling this uh from the last time. So where can people get your book and everything else like that?
1: Well, thank thank you, Eric. I appreciate your kind words and for allowing me on your show. You've got a great show. And I, I honestly, I just really appreciate being there. Uh, let's see. I... The Voice of Your Dreams is the name of the book. And, and if you go to the voiceofyourdreams.com, um, right now we're doing like a 30% off Amazon coupon code thing there. So you can find the book and a little more. There's a video. I have a little video where I tell what's going on with the book. Uh so that and oh actually it's been on the bestseller list, Amazon bestseller list for five weeks now. So that's nice. that's super fun. Um I'm I'm grateful for that. And then uh, my, all my social media is like at Aaron Anastasi and, and I do a lot of content. You know, I do a lot of like those graphic quote content stuff from my book now and my upcoming book. And yeah, that's, that's about, I mean, if you're interested in singing, I know this hasn't been about that superior singing method. That's, that's my thing. And and I have tons of free videos on, on YouTube. If you just search about anything, you'll find my videos there and a lot of free good singing content is there, there as well.
0: I'm almost uh, imagining a, uh, uh oh, a webinar in the future where it's um sort of productivity slash music and we can maybe just do a you know bring bring your guitar and you know, i've actually have done a zoom karaoke before because you can do a share share screen and share your audio yeah it was wild it was, it was a lot of fun it was on yeah. it was actually on, on new year's eve i think and that recording will never be released to the public uh, <laughs> but it was a lot of fun so maybe we could do something like that uh that would be really fun that would be really fun well and thank you just seriously thank you so much for for coming on and uh you know i just want to you know i know from from talking to so many people in in the adhd rewired community that sometimes um when they hear of successful entrepreneurs they're they're some people sort of get turned off by that. And I just want to say that, you know, from my conversations that I've had with Aaron, and hopefully it was uh, expressed here today that, you know, it's, he, he's coming from a place of, of struggle and learning from that struggle. Um, And for me, those are the people that I trust the most, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, things have always been easy and you've always succeeded. I, I I don't, you're, you're not my tribe, you know, it's, (laughs) So we, we had to work and hustle for what we did, and so I want to, Aaron, congratulate you on all your your ongoing su- success, um, and I wish you a speedy recovery and all your future failures, and um, and just thank you for spending the hour with me. This has been fun.
1: Yeah, yeah. Likewise, Eric, and that's I, I. mean, I've I've struggled so much with all these things that that's why I love talking about them. Here is I'm just a guy who stumbled on a few things that have worked, and if I, hopefully they could work for other people. That's that's how that's how I feel.
0: Well, Aaron, again, thank you so much for uh, for joining us and for helping my listeners get their ADHD rewired. Before we get to the outro announcements, I wanted to share just one more thing from the most recent episode of the Tom Nardone Show.
2: Oh, one other thing. I want to thank uh, everybody who uh, my sales for my book are delayed as far as the information I get. I always find out how many books it sold like two months before and a pretty dramatic increase in that. So for those of you who have bought a copy of chasing kites, I thank you all mm-hmm. and I hope you enjoyed it. I've heard no negative reviews yet. And if you want one, Tom forward slash book. I hate, good. I really hate doing I'm it. Hated. I really hate doing it.
0: That was Tom Nardone. Congratulations, Tom on the sales of your book. Go check out his book at Tom Tom's the producer. Editor, Grand Mix Master, uh, Artwork Creator, Show Notes Writer. He does many things for this show. So, Tom, thank you. All right, let's get on a few announcements for the end. Shut my mic off. Thank you for listening to another episode of ADHD Rewired. And if you're new to the show, welcome to ADHD Rewired. We are more than just a podcast. We are a community focused on learning, growing, and connection. You could see a full outline of this and all other episodes with all the links and other resources mentioned during this interview at ADHDrewired.com. Help support this podcast by checking out my sponsors. I use Zoom video conferencing nearly every day and so can you. Go free or go pro. But please go to erictivers.com/zoom so they know that I sent you. And you can get a free audiobook from Audible at erictivers.com/audible. And next time you shop Amazon, use the Amazon search portal at adhdrewired.com. A small percentage of your purchase will go to support this show. And it doesn't cost you anything extra. You can also support this podcast by leaving an honest rating and review in iTunes or Stitcher. This really helps other people find this show. And don't forget to hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. Don't just be a passive listener. Be an active member of the ADHD Rewired community. We are on Facebook. You can like our page, but please submit your request to join our free and growing community. And don't forget to check your other inbox because I screen everybody before they come into our community.